Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I can't even do it. I can't sing her early music. I don't sound like her, but my mom definitely looked like young Cher when we were growing up. You guys, welcome to the beginning. Oh, my God. I got you, See, I don't even think about the sunny day, so Put your booties on. I it's see that. Of course, we think about <laughs> we think about Groundhog Day whenever we think about Sunny and Cher. But I, I got you, babe. I think of Beavis and Butthead, to be honest. That too. We that also too. have, uh, but also the beat goes on. Also, uh, I didn't realize like how much they just wanted to be Bob Dylan, but that's fun. Uh, Man, have you ever? See, I listened. I've listened to her early stuff. Since the beginning of time, I'm obsessed with Cher. I love all of the different many, and you will hear over the hours of how many different versions of Cher there have been. Yes, welcome to the beginning of the Cher many-parters. There's not going to be many parts, but her career is so insanely prolific that the beginning that you have to realize Sonny and Cher, which is such a huge part of how she began, all of it was done and over with by the mid-70s. Yeah, it's unbelievable how much she that was, was how much she came in ago. and out of the cultural zeitgeist. And I love to see how she was not just like not a big deal after a while. She people felt that she was actively lame. For like long periods of time. And then she would be cool again. And then she would be actively lame as fuck again. It just went back and forth and back and forth. That's how you have a long career though. I think everybody if who has a lifetime career goes through phases where they're like, ew, they're gross. Wait, they're ironically cool again. Wait, they're actually just normal cool again. And then they're well, lame again. Even in the beginning of the height of their fame, Sonny and Cher were never really cool. Their fashions were very cool. I think that they were cool. But then we get into, which we'll talk about today, they were anti-drug. Even though they were they were a big part of the hippie movement, or they seemed it, they were actually... They I dressed mean, like it, but that was about it. Yes, except for the free love, which we will also talk about. But that was oh, something yeah, that yeah, yeah. came in in time. That, that I was more like, due to a dysfunctional marriage more than a yeah, movement I they mean, were following. He had, yeah. Looking in all this, 
Sonny had a lot of major dad husband vibe. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of like, beep, oh, beep, beep, yeah. beep. Natalie alert, Natalie alert. Like when I was reading about Sonny and Cher, I was just like, Natalie gonna have a something to say about <laughs> this one. Because it is very like he brought her in. She was 16, right? I believe 17. Six, they met when she was 16, yeah. You know, and, and he brought her in and then had this domineering control over her. I see a lot of similarities between Mariah Carey's story and this story. hundred percent. It seems like 50 to 70% of all of the women we've covered have basically been kidnapped at first. (laughs) Like kidnapped into a successful career. Codependent relationship where it's like, but I gave you this career. And then they get to a point where they've outgrown the person that they're with. And they're like, "Uh uh-uh, daddy, I'm ready to pave my own way and do my own motherfucking thing. Blam, blam. Then they shoot him with the gun. And he goes, ah, I dodged it. And then they run out of the house. And I'm not saying that Cher shot a gun at Sonny, but metaphorically, maybe he did. She did. I do feel, though, that when it comes to these kind of stories, like the Mariah Carey, like a Cher, that they... You saw what was happening to them as they were being groomed, which I, which is very inappropriate, but they took it and used it for their own advantage. They took the men that were holding them down and then with one long high heeled foot squashed them down underneath them as they lifted themselves up. That is a very very difficult thing to do after experiencing so much trauma in a relationship that how strong Cher is. Cher is one of the, one of the strongest people I have ever read about. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. She's great. You could almost th- say it's thanks to those men and we should be thanking them for You're welcome. causing Ew. those strifes. For causing all the trauma, because how are they ever going to grow if they just are, oh, like taking, oh, I'm taken care of, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm protected sexually from adults. Ooh, how are you ever going to have a successful record with that? That's stupid. You're right. You know, you get, you get the will to fight. I will say, you know, I mean, yes, in a lot of ways, though, share. Would maybe not have her career quite, quite like she got with, um, without Sunny, but also she didn't also understand. How to how to fight for herself? I think until um, dealing with that sunny stuff, especially dealing with the, all the legality stuff, and then she takes that energy and she just continues it through the rest of her life. And even talking about you know now that I'm I'm already researching for part two and talking about you know Meryl Streep quotes from her just being like Cher just fucking is no bullshit. Cher will tell you exactly how she feels, exactly when she feels it, and she you know and I think a lot of that comes from um, her fight to get out from under Sunny's stronghold over her entire career. And again, I mentioned legalities because I mean, he even made it legally impossible for her for a few years to do any acting or any singing because she finally didn't want to work with him uh, before. And I love too, that as we go along this story, she went and she made some like really interesting albums that he hated because he wanted her to fit into this very specific box. He's like, it's so funny how much he wanted to be Bob Dylan because he was the opposite of Bob Dylan in the sense that she was like, I want to do a rock and roll record. And he was like, nah, nah, Cher. It's all about that old timey folk music. It'll always be popular. It'll never go out of style. She's like, no, it's definitely going out of style. Even Dylan himself has, has adapted to what's happening. And I'm young and I know what the kids want. You're old. You have old, wrinkled, shitty balls. Let me take this, Sonny. Hold on, you can speak to this. Guys in their late thirties have their uh, have their finger on the pulse. It's not the the young 
teen girls who really get what's hip and jive. It's I feel on Twitch even I feel like an elder statesman on Twitch. Like I feel like I'm kind of crashing the party. Like hey everybody, ah, you are my too Twitch old. Channel. But you uh, know technically, what? You grew the beard back, and now you, you you're you look. At least three years younger. Oh, my God. Really? Lord. I think he looks younger without the beard. Whoa. Oh, my God. Wow, lady fight. <laughs> all, <laughs> all I really want to do, though, which is obviously a Bob Dylan song, I really, in, I'm going to go ahead and say it, I think I like Cher's versions of early Bob Dylan more than Bob Dylan's versions I can say, it. I mean, she's clearly a better vocalist, technically, you know, so I can totally see that. Not well, a big Dylan person. Also, she brings such an earthy quality to it. Y'all know I have such a soft spot for women with deep voices. Mm. And it's something that she will come, and part of the reason of why it's so difficult for Cher, especially to get her foot off the ground, her mm. foot on the stairs. <laughs> yes, her foot on step one, on I believe step is the same. one is because, and you will, you will see it as we start talking about it, that uh, she sounded like a man. And people were put off by it, which she doesn't at all. It's just it was a it was a different time period. But I do think that's what gave her a little bit of that standing out edge. Yes, she brought even though she is such a feminine person, there was a strength to her that I don't know. There was a ton of in culture at the time where she kind of like she grabbed grabbed the grabbed the world by the. The lady by the ovaries. You guys are great with the sayings just now. They're we all are linguistical. Cats. Everyone says, "Grab the lady by the ovaries, take the step on step one," <laughs> and it really is fantastic. Well, you know, Natalie, I think that that case in point is is you know, and and again, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. We're going to cover this a little bit better as we go, but you know, even just the whole fashion side of things and how yeah. people were just like you must leave this hotel woman you are dressed so crazily like I mean you can tell I she always it. had this confidence I mean you, you you see their outfits and stuff and you think that their outfits are a reflection of the style of the time but actually no they were the starting the yes. trends totally yeah. And I do want to throw it out there. Yes, I have been three different versions of Cher for three oh different God. Halloweens. Oh, you have? Yes, I have. Um, my bestie Madeline and I went as Sunny and Cher because she's shorter than I am. She dresses Sunny and I dress as Cher. And I also dressed as Moonstruck Cher with a Whoa. Nick Cage right? counterpart and the Witches of Eastwick. Now, Witches all of Eastwick. these movies we will not be discussing today, but we will get into <laughs> the Sunny and Cher. And you know what was difficult? Wearing really tall boots and a very short skirt. Very difficult to do. Mm. It's so hard. Uh, it's so hard sometimes, and I'm just glad somebody's finally talking about all Yeah, why do they talk about these things we have to go through? Hold well, put the step on step one. Let us give a brief synopsis <laughs> and then jump into the childhood of Cher. Cher is an American singer, actress, and TV personality known for a distinctive contralto singing voice and for going strong career-wise for over six decades. That's right. She really grabbed those ovaries by yep. the hand. Yep. She first got Wait popular a in 19... 19- if you're going to throw us under the bus, <laughs> you just got bust. <laughs> 
Boston. What do you mean? That was Natalie saying she grabbed by the, the hand. That's not what I said. You changed from, it. I'm sorry. She grabbed the ovaries from the woman. I know. <laughs> Grab the world by the ovaries. You don't even get us. You grabbed the world by the ovaries. First getting popular in 1965 as Sonny and Cher with their husband and their song, I Got You, Babe. They later had a hugely popular comedy show called The Sonny and Cher Hour, where she became known as a fashion trendsetter. She also had a very popular solo career starting in the 70s. And then in the 80s, she gets into Broadway and film acting with such hits as The Witches of Eastwick and Moonstruck before reviving her music career in the late 80s and early 90s. And then again in the late 90s, early 2000s. Do that believe stuff we'll cover in a later episode. We're going to be focusing more on the Sonny and Cher years because this woman has been seriously famous for several decades. So we got to take it a decade at a time here and go all the way back to her birth. She was born in El Centro, California in 1946 with the name Sherilyn Sarkisian, uh, I believe is the Sarkisian. Her mother al- almost had her aborted because she was so young and knew she didn't want to be with the father and actually got off the operation table at the very last minute saying, I can't do this. I don't care what happens. I can't do this. And uh, kept kept the share, uh, as oh. they say. We wouldn't have a share. That's it. No abortions for anyone. <laughs> you know, I think mean, I think to each their own for sure. But either way, she kept this one and up, she ended up being a motherfucking superstar. She grew up poor and without a father, which is kind of why I think she probably just thought about aborting the child. And, well, she um, did uh, meet up with her dad a little bit later on. She mm. hadn't met him really until she he, she was 11 years old. So John Sarkisian was an Armenian-American truck driver, which I believe is she does very much... Uh, do fe- you believe in life after love? No, it, she, she uh, believes in life felt, after love. No, I'm talking about the half breed years that ah. she did feel a connection with her Armenian roots after she met up with her dad. She even said about her father, he was charming like you cannot believe, but he had some larceny in him. He had a criminal past. Mm. So she had a very, uh, tenuous relationship with him. I guess relationship relationship is even the word for it. Now, she did have an interesting relationship with her mother, Natalie. Yeah. Um, so there's a really great, very short, watchable doc called uh, Dear Mom Love Share that came out in 2013 that is so fascinating and it made me obsessed with her mother. So if you, if you don't hear them talk about it, it does. Her mom sounds really bad, but when they go through this, the, their story, her mom is a fucking badass, and she was super hot, and she came from um, the, this kind of very horrible, poor roots kind of situation where her um, dad was 21 and her mom was 13 years old um, when she was born. So, um, yeah, she and she ended up becoming almost like... It's not the vaudevillian time, but she kind of... Her father was a singer, and he taught her how to sing, and she became... Kind of fame, not famous, but she was on like I Love Lucy and um, Harry and Ozzy. Harriet and Ozzy? What is that show called? Ozzy and Harriet? Yes. One of them old timey shows. She was a regular in all these things. And um, she, the reason that she got off of that table, she got pregnant by this, uh, by her husband. And she was like married to him because that's what you're supposed to do at the time. And her, she didn't want to stay with this guy. She didn't like him. But she got pregnant. So she went to her mom and said, I don't want to stay with my husband. And she said, her mom said, you can stay with me, but you have to get an abortion. And so she was about to do it. And she said, I can't do it. And her mom said, well, you can't 
stay here then. You got to go back mm. to the husband. And so the, her mom ended up getting married eight times. Yes. Which was like a not a normal thing for that time period. She was kind Three of. Three of those times, I believe, was were to share. To the same body. man. Yes. Yeah. 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 So even though it sounds like she's like kind of a hectic, crazed person, she otherwise was kind of a square. She didn't like do drugs and like beat her kids or anything, but she had a really weird. What a lame She doesn't even beat her kids. I know. <laughs> Although I will say she did say she hit her, but she said my mom was from the South and it was just the kind of thing they did. I think, yeah, like maybe like disciplinary slaps and stuff, but um, I guess more. So, so Natalie watched this doc cause I immediately was like, Oh, her mom didn't treat her right. Because the things I read was like, she was in an, out of orphanages where like her mom would come and visit her every day where it's like that's great their mom's visiting her every day I think that's good so at least gave her a place to live but in my brain I'm like well she's marrying all these men and she's living her life for herself but it seems like she wasn't living her life well to take care of her children no she was totally okay so that story I in this doc it's really enlightening because you hear that side of the story and you're like oh that sounds terrible and then right. you hear them talk about it and what happened was when she decided to not abort share and went back to the husband he was kind of a bum and they didn't have any money and so at the time what you could do they moved to scranton and her the share's father went to new york to try to make money and you could put your kid in a home if you were like a woman without a, a husband and her mom was working in a diner for 12 hours a night so they could try to make enough money to feed the kids and when she it was just like a couple months she put her in this home. And when she went to go try to get the kid back, the orphanage wouldn't let her have the kid. They were like, you should let her get adopted by somebody else. Damn. And she didn't know there was no way to get a hold of her husband in New York at the time because it was back in the day. And so they had to like fight and she had to actually make friends with the town councilman in Scranton to get Cher out of the orphanage Damn. because it was so hard to go against the church at the time. They like the church was just like, you can't have your kid back. And then, you just are supposed to accept that. I do love this line, though, between Cher and her mother, that in a 1996 interview with Jane Pauley, Cher recalled her mother advising her to marry a rich man, to which she famously replied, Mom, I am a rich man. Yeah. And I love Cher. Now, Cher yeah. definitely did drop out of high school at the age of 16, because I think that it is another, I feel like, real identifying trait of divas and people that can make it over and over again is that she knew what she wanted to be young. She was yeah, ready yeah. to be famous. She dropped out of high school at 16. She said, I hated school because I didn't fit into the right spaces. I was always thinking about something else. I was thinking about when I was grown up and famous, where I'd want to live or who I'd go out with or what kind of dresses I would wear. I wasn't into high school and classes at all. Yeah, I, I think one thing that, that she reminds me a little bit of, of me in one way and then totally not me in this other way she was looking around and like her mom's like, you need stability. You don't, you don't want to live like this. And she's like, if, if being stable is the, or is living like our neighbors, then I don't, I don't really want to have that kind of life. And she also wanted, you know, she wanted to be famous so young. And she also, she said, I remember being really ashamed of my clothes. I was so hard on my shoes. Uh, my mom would say, Jesus Christ, Cher, you, we can't afford shoes. Stop this. I remember going to school with rubber bands around my shoes to keep my soles on. But it wasn't always like that. We ate a can of stew or a can of beans one week. And then sometimes we lived in Beverly Hills. It was a very strange life. The thing that's not like me, though, is that she was super poor growing up, as we mentioned. And that's what gave her, I think, the drive, the like that absolute just 
nose to the ground. I'm just going to fucking beat against this brick wall until I bash through it. Well, I also uh, feel that it was trying to find what she was good at because Cher also suffers from dyslexia. And at the time period, that was not seen as something that was an issue or it wasn't, you know, I don't think that the idea of dyslexia was around I think at that they just, point like, I think they just called you simple and, like, put you in a class of yeah, Which dumbs. is why she was like, but I'm better than this. I can do yeah. more than this. And I think it pushed her because she ended up moving to Los Angeles at the age of 16. Yeah, yeah. I, I do want to give one little anecdote from her schooling years before we uh, move on to Sunny. In fifth grade, she actually produced her own performance of the musical Oklahoma for her class and directed and choreographed the dance routines, organizing a group of girls to do the show. She was unable to convince any boys to do it with them, so she played all the male roles, which may have a little something to do with the development of her low voice. Also, in the future, we get that amazing West Side Story performance where she plays all the roles that I think was maybe inspired by this moment. I can't wait to watch that again. It's so good. And then uh, also around the age of 16, when she drops out of uh, high school, it's around this time she has a fling with Warren Beatty, who was 25 at the time. So Warren Beatty's fun. just all kissing all these young girls. Everyone, I feel uh, like yeah. everybody kissed Warren Beatty during our uh, history. Oh, yeah. It, it was, does I seem like it. I didn't get to, but I don't think I'm his type. Well, now <laughs> I'm far too old. And I don't think he goes to Ugh. Clearwater, Florida a whole lot. Maybe uh, he did, though. <laughs> you don't even get it, what we do there. So either way, now we get to the Sonny stuff. She she meets Sonny Bono, a protege of Phil Spector at the time, at Aldo's Coffee Shop in 1963. Famous coffee shop. He was 11 years old. He was 11 oh, years no. older than her. She was 17. Yeah, the opposite yeah. of he was 11 years old. He was 11 years older than her. So at the time, Sonny was working for... Phil Spector. Sonny admitted he was Phil's flunky while he assisted with everything. Producing, arranging, engineering, singing background and playing percussion, even running errands and bringing Spector coffee when he wanted it. So he was he was the head assistant to Phil Spector and if you're not aware of who Phil Spector is, he's another bidman who yeah. did, happened to produce a lot of great music and really ruin and use a lot of talent for his own gain. Phil Spector is another not very good person. Also ruining the cool name of Spector for the rest of time, because that's a great last name. Yes, it really it. is. And he is a nightmare person. And Sonny <laughs> was working for said nightmare person. And I really feel like that explains a lot of how he felt that he had control over Cher. They didn't immediately start dating either. He brought her in. Of course, I think that, you know, he may have had a couple of things on his mind, but they did straight up just bump <laughs> into each other in a coffee shop in 1962. And Sonny then introduced Cher to Spectre and Cher then starts working as a session singer and singing background vocals for like the Ronettes Be My Baby, the Righteous Brothers You've Lost That Loving Feeling. You've Lost That Loving Feeling, which is such a classic. Yeah, it's kind of Darlene amazing. Loves <laughs> a Fine, Fine Boy. Like this is like... How insane is it that you show up in L.A. and, of course, like, it is just she meets him. This is a way in. It's like I feel like at this point in time, she's like, I'll do whatever I have to do to get to go and be able to immediately work with Phil Spector. Including seeing this tiny man's penis. Tiny man <laughs> is a tiny man. She goes on to say. He was just like the father. You know how you can yes. be frightened sure. of your father, even if he doesn't ever do anything? It wasn't like, I mean, 
He never hit me, uh, never really yelled at me. He could be tough, though. He could be real tough in that kind of horrible, tough, Sicilian way. I couldn't stand on my own two feet and talk back to him. That was my problem. I could just never, ever talk back to him. And so I never got any of my needs met that weren't what he felt they should be. Now, I would say that is a um, a person speaking who has been traumatized and who is saying, oh, it was my problem because I wouldn't speak back to him. But we don't need to go into all of the analysis of that. Not, be, not because you are an actual child. No, no, no <laughs> definitely not because of that. But she did say that she was crazy about him on so many levels. He was really everything to me. And after I had Chaz, I started to grow up and he wouldn't allow it. And I was just starting to really, he was starting to kill my spirit. So this is the beginning of them creating the spirit together. Yeah, and I will, again, in defense of her mother, because I am kind of obsessed with her mother, whenever she started seeing Sunny, her mom was like enraged and she was like, like Sharon had to hide it for a while. And when her mom found out, she said, um, I'm going to call the police and put him in jail. And so she just left home. And that's kind of when they that is when when Sharon and Sonny profess their love for each other is kind of the force the issue with the mom freaking out. And then they go have an unofficial wedding ceremony in a hotel room in Tijuana in late 1964. Ugh. Also, did we mention also that um she so Cher's roommates kicked her out, and that's how she ends up living with Sonny. And Sonny's like, "You can live here as long as you for free, but you just have to do the housekeeping." She never did any housekeeping. Actually, <laughs> yeah, which I think is very funny. No, she didn't. But they slept in separate beds too. It's a very weird scenario, honestly. Very, very because weird. it really like it was a very like a, a creepy father situation. But now, like, I feel like the idea of daddy boyfriend is a part of. Some relationships, and that is what they had back then for sure, because women weren't really allowed to be by themselves. So, well, well he, yeah. let's add another thing to it. Um, as she suffered from horrible stage fright, so she had Sonny join her on stage to sing harmonies and first debuted under the name Caesar and Cleo. However, their initial singers were poorly, singles were poorly received, but she would stare at Sonny while singing on stage to help with her nervousness and said she sang to people through him. Just a very, very codependent very relationship, codependent. even on the stage at that time, which is so funny because then they, they become known later for share shitting on Sonny all the time with stage banter, but we haven't gotten there yet. Right now, she's literally needs him just to be on stage. She needs to stare at him while she sings the songs to forget the audience is there. I do love that. So they were originally called Caesar and Cleo, which was, yes, based on Richard Burton and Ed Elizabeth Taylor's uh, movie Cleopatra. So that was their original name. Also, at this point in time, Cher put out a song called by, under the name Bonnie Joe Mason. So Cher was 18 years old when she released her first single alone called Ringo I Love You. It was produced <laughs> by Phil Spector and it tanked. Why did it tank? The song was rejected by many radio station programmers and eventually banned because they thought Cher's deep singing voice were a man's vocals. Therefore, they believed it was a male homosexual (gasps) singing a love song dedicated to the Beatles drummer Ringo Starr. But it wasn't before long when she's teamed up with Sonny Bono. And so this is when she, so Bonnie Jo Mason, Caesar and Cleo. So at this point in time, too, Right before they start Sunny and Cher, they started making songs they under four different names. So you had Sonny and Cher, you had Caesar and Cleo, you had Sonny Bono, and you had Cher. 
all four of them were signed. Well, not Cher and Sonny because they were together, but technically underneath the different labels. And that was very smart of them to do to at least like season out their songs. And not that they were pretending to be other people, but it definitely helped people listen to all four of their different varying musics that they were putting out. I was say real quick, I will also say that Ringo song, very fun. It's totally on Spotify. That's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask if you guys heard it because I haven't listened to that. It's song. a great it's very fun. Song. It's very old school Beatlesy sounding, and I, it's kind of funny that they thought because I think at points she's like, "I want to be your girl," all this kind of stuff. Yes. So it's just funny that they thought it was people a guy are singing it. people it's are dumb. people are silly. But also, <laughs> all I really want to do again the 1965 Share album is one of my favorite albums, and you should totally okay. check that out. Again, it's a young sound. So this is around this time period where she was still, and you could see because she's singing a bunch of covers, and she's singing background of people. At this point in time, she's just trying to get her name out there. Whatever Phil Spector and whatever Sonny wanted her to do, she was going to do. And I don't think, and it's not that I don't think, she didn't have any choice. Yeah. Well, it, it's... She really, I had no idea she was that young during the, the Sonny and Cher era because oh, she yeah. she presents herself as more mature or something. Maybe it's even just her bone structure or something. Yeah, the maybe it's her voice. It's the height. It's her, yeah. it's her height. It's her, it's her lower voice. She always, and she always exuded this, like this, the, at least the Cher we've always seen, not the, right. not the Caesar and Cleo Cher, but she always exuded this confidence. Confidence. Think, totally. This stage presence that you think she's older than she really is. Uh, and I, I totally see that. Also, let's, uh, and we're going to get into more of this, but because she's hanging out with Sonny, all she hangs out with is like older people. It's very funny too. Their their big hit starts out, the first li- lyric is like, this and we're too young, young and, and we don't know. We. Yeah, yeah, it says yeah. we are. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Too no. young. Which is, by the way, a good segue, by the way. So late one late night in their basement, Sonny sits down and writes the lyrics to I Got You, Babe. And I never thought about this, but it's totally like a response to Bob Dylan's song, It Ain't, it ain't Me, babe. babe. Man, he was weirdly obsessed with Bob obsessed Dylan. With Bob and Dylan. But so was she, Dylan. clearly. I mean, I mean, she was all, all about it, too, with, with uh, all I really want to do. And I mean, honestly, I think you could not not avoid Bob Dylan. And if you're really into being a singer-songwriter... And listen in the to her 60s. version of Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. As yeah. someone that was ruined by that song because someone broke up with me on a CD, beginning with the uh, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right. What? Um, I, wow. I feel you got a like breakup CD? I got a breakup CD. It's, <laughs> you know what? It's, I think it's better than a post-it, but we don't need to talk about sex in the city right now. <laughs> I, uh, 
but the version that Cher puts out it exudes a whole different energy. Oh, her early stuff is so raw and beautiful. It is just her singing. So going back to uh, I Got You, Babe, Sonny's like, this is going to be great. He wakes Cher up and he, yeah, he wrote it in the middle the lyrics. of the night. And then Cher's just like, I hate this song. This song's never going to make it. You're terrible. And I'm going back to sleep. So I think that's hilarious. <laughs> I love it, too. So he originally he shows it to her and then he goes in and he sings it for the label because Sonny and Cher's manager at Atco Records, like Cher, was also unimpressed. Sonny was pushing for the song to be the single. The ADCO manager said the song could only be a B-side if it's gonna rain. Sonny Bono convinced an L.A. radio station to play the track, and it started picking up popularity. So that's, again, it's another one of these things where Sonny brought it to Cher, Cher hated it. Sonny brought it to ADCO Records, they hated it. He went right to the radio and was like, play this song, and they did. And it is that kind of assholery that sometimes it takes to get you where you gotta go I don't have that this is my problem this is something that I've always said that I'm just like I'm not enough of a like someone that pushes for advocates for myself I am not of a like a, I'm not enough of a go-getter in the way that Sonny and Cher were at this time period I'm never gonna be this and you that's gotta okay find, you gotta go find yourself a nice 17 year old boy. There you go. Or a rich man. What am I doing with my life? I am a rich man, mama. I will say, Jackie, you do understand the whole, you know, with your year in fashion that you do every year, you do understand that angle of it because a big, uh, a big part of their launch, besides this hit single, is actually coming from their clothing, weirdly enough, Hell yeah. and their interesting style. So the Rolling Stones apparently are who convinced them to go to England because they're having a hard time really doing a, making it big in America. So, they go to they go to England and Which also, their very they go first to night, England, but Sonny and Cher and their managers Charlie Green and Brian Stone all sold their cars to raise wow. the money for them to get the plane tickets to go to London in the first place. So there are they're putting everything into this. So that's what you have to think about right now. They they've gotten this far, they're going to London the the Stones say and then they get to London and they get kicked out of their London Hilton Hotel the very first night because of their outfits. <gasps> it's and like this woman. actually, though, this actually could not have been better for them because it makes them this overnight sensation, like in the tabloids. And that's stuff. great. So that's kind of it's the combination, the one-two punch of their interesting look mixed with this hit single. Now they're in the fashion. Uh, they're, now they're in the spotlight. They, they can they can now really uh, emulate the youth culture at the time with their fashion. Their bell bottoms, their striped pants, their ruffled shirts and fur vests. They're just sporting all these looks. Oh my God, look at the fashion of them. I love it. At this I love time it. period. It's so fun. And also, even Cher said, when I was young, we got beaten up for looking the way we looked. Maybe some people thought I looked ridiculous, but that was okay by me. Look, I'd started out as a skinny little kid from the valley, and now I'd become a one-named enigma called <laughs> Cher. I love Cher. You got to. You got to take risks with, the, with fashion and style if you want to become an icon you can't if you're just doing the status quo maybe nobody will make fun of you but you're also that's what you are you gotta you gotta shake it up a little bit i'm normcore you are uh, so either way <laughs> she she uh so so they put out their first album sunny and uh, under sunny and share 
with uh, Look At Us, that's the name of their first album. It's super successful, and between 1965 and 1972, they are pumping out the hits. Baby Don't Go, The Beat Goes On, All I Ever Need Is You, and A Cowboy's Work Is Never Done. Oh, when I look at Sonny, I just think of what a big, strong, <laughs> mean cowboy, and how hard he works. Cowboy's now, it's never, never done. done. <laughs> He's so, never done. So, but then Cher strikes out on her own. She has success with her own solo albums. I say on her own, but Sunny is controlling all everything. Uh, but she does put out uh, the Sunny side of Cher and her cover. And that has her cover of a, uh, uh, or maybe it, I, I'm not sure if it has it or not. But either way, she oh, puts out her bang, cover. Bang of, my baby bang, bang, shot me my down. baby shot me down. Oh, which yeah. is amazing. The album Cher releases in 1966, and then With Love Cher in 1967. I've been banging through these albums over the past couple days so and amazing. really enjoying what I'm hearing. I'm like, am I going through a share phase? Yes, yes you I are. Am. Join us in our share phase because I'm throwing it out there all I've been listening to. And she is so much music. It's crazy. If you're, it's like, oh, I feel like dancing. You can put on a different album. Oh, I just, I need a contemplative morning cup of coffee. She's got that for you too. It's you, I want some, you know, uh, rap rock. I want some, some, oh, some rip rap. No, no rip rap yeah. quite yet, but. Yeah, yeah. I want some auto-tuned hip hop and you've got that. You know what I mean? She put I want to feel like th- I'm singing on the, on a battleship <laughs> wearing in spandex. Hell yeah. I want to yeah. feel like I'm whisked away. And there is that for you. Now, the one thing that you can never have, though, is getting stoned as balls with Cher. Because yeah. Cher and Sonny Bono were openly, actively anti-drug. They put out anti-drug PSAs. They, In fact, it really alienated a lot of what could have been their audience, I feel. I mean, obviously they were doing fine, but a big sector didn't trust them because they were so open. Now, Cher said, my father was a heroin addict. My sister's father was an alcoholic. But it jumped us. I didn't do drugs. I didn't I didn't not do drugs because of moral issues. I tried a couple of drugs, but I never felt good out of control. I have the constitution of a fruit fly. I can't do coffee, but I can do Dr. Pepper. And that also again makes her lovable again. So she never she never went through a drug phase? No. No. Also no. too, you know, Think you better than me, share? They're kind of the face of monogamy when monogamy's not super cool during the summer of love in these years. I know they kind of really secretly, though, open the relationship up in, in later years as Sonny and Cher. But, but even with that, I mean, I think they just seem come off as super lame in 1969. Is that also how they kind of forged into the the TV world, like because they were sort of squeaky clean, sure. that they, they were able to sort of corral that into a TV career. Because they could 100%. kind of be both. They could right. kind of have this hippie aesthetic and fashion and this, that, and the other, and maybe even in their sound, but also please mom and dad. With sort of like their... a Will Smith almost, you know? Where... Yeah. But I yeah, will super say like that. before they struck gold with going to TV with their squeaky clean image, they failed hard first <laughs> by trying to make their own movies. Now, yeah. I watched parts of Good Times. You did? The parts that I could find. Um, we, I, so at this point in time, they're doing well. They're, ro- they're rocking and rolling. They're, they're finally becoming the entity that they wanted to become. 
And then there's Good Times. Now, Good Times is, I didn't know about Good Times. I'm throwing it out there. I didn't know about Good Times. I didn't know about Chastity. Good Times is directed by first-time director William Friedkin, who would later do French Connection and The Exorcist. But The Exorcist, this was not. <laughs> I love the the the... Reviews I read of Good Times were very funny because, again, they're trying something new. You can see that Cher has always, and especially now looking back at her career, she's wanted to be able to do it all and be as good as she can at all of it. And this movie was apparently just a no man's land between exuberant junkiness of the Elvis movies and the satirically inclined sophistication of the Beatles romps, which they definitely were trying to toe the line of making like another Beatles type movie. It was starring who else? Sonny and Cher. And it was their characters were Sonny and Cher. And they contemplated a move from the recording studio to the soundstage. And then there was a villain named Mr. Mordecus, played by George Sanders, who is a smooth-talking <laughs> producer who wants to make a quick buck by casting the couple in a low-budget quickie that may or may not involve upwardly mobile hillbillies. <laughs> so they're playing them, playing them in a movie, and then they come up with all these different scenarios of, like, Sonny imagining himself like in a musical. What if Sonny were in a Tarzan parody? It I don't. It it's just, just so corny. It sounds like it's kind of be, trying to be like the monkeys a little bit, or trying to yes. be like all those all those musicians. You know, hard uh, hard days, hard days night, night and help. And it failed, failed, failed. It sounds this, so kind of fun, like a fun stupid. Was it fun stupid, Jackie? Survey says boring. It was just boring. <laughs> it was oh. just so. They didn't, in my own personal opinion, I felt like they needed more. Like, if they had made this movie, if they had stayed together and made this movie like 10 years down the road, I would have been very interested to see what they had to say. But they were still in that, like, not puppy love, obviously. They never really had puppy love. But they were in an upward moving place. And I feel like it would be much different if they were at the lower end. Well, that's how they get great with Sonny and Cher. Because I think that what makes Sonny and Cher... What gets them picked up, spoiler alert, we'll get to it more later, is is that that banter and is Sonny, is Cher rather shitting on Sonny in banter and stuff, and that gives them this interesting dynamic, whereas right now they're trying to have this squeaky clean, fun times energy. And then the whole cultural zeitgeist is changing. There's Vietnam, there's Led Zeppelin and Cream, and Cher is trying to get, is now challenging Sonny. This is the first time she's challenging Sonny. She's being like, I want to make a rock and roll album. Like I said before, she goes off, she makes Backstage, which is pretty great. It flops, but I think in hindsight, it's a solid album. Yes. It's a bit more eclectic. It's got a little bit more going on. And then in 1969, she does her sixth solo album called 3614 Jackson Highway, which was done without Sonny's oversight and experiments in soul music. I it is considered one of her best albums. But Sonny, album. Sonny dislikes it and forbids anything else like it moving forward. And yeah, Jackie, speak towards this, this awesome, like, she totally uh. found a cool direction and then Sonny's like, no, it's too interesting. It's too fun. And it's because it didn't involve him. She could yeah. have done anything and it didn't involve him and he hated it. And so I, I think to her and what I would assume is that she wanted him to like things so desperately, but she was also struggling at this point in time of wanting to start doing her own shit. So, so it is this back and forth. I please 36, 14 Jackson highway, 
It is a great album. It's on Spotify. Spotify, listen to everything you want there. Never abandon it. Never abandon it. We're company men. Uh, Cher did say it, uh, by the way, I think I went out two times alone the entire time I was married to Sonny. Very unhealthy sounding relationship. She's a teenager when they meet. She becomes a woman in the years since. And Sonny couldn't keep the same dynamic he had of full control over his little star. He even said to her, one day you were going to leave me. You were going to go on and do great things. So he knew it was in the cards. Yeah, bitch. He also, though, and this is the big turning point, he sets up share enterprises of which he owned 95%. Don't worry now, the other 5%. Went to the lawyer. So actually, you should worry about it. Cher has no fucking no control over any of control. this. No this is when over she gets, Cher This is why she later gets into the legality enterprises. issues. Yeah, the name Cher is enterprises. The name is Cher Enterprises. But I will say that she does go on later on, we will talk about this with Sonny's death, that she always says that Sonny treated her more like a golden goose than like his wife. She says, I forgive him, I think. He hurt me in so many ways, but there was something. He was so much more than a husband, a terrible husband, but a great mentor, a great teacher. And he was trying to, even though file her down into his own image because she was everything he could never really truly be. But I think that he, it was, even though this is a fucked up thing to say, I feel like he did do it out of respect and also a finder's fee. It's you know such I mean? a like, complex situation. It's just it's such a, a classical American relationship where he's yeah. showing his profound love for this child by sticking his penis in her and stealing all her money. <laughs> yeah. That was because he he respected her. And by this time, he's banging side pieces. Of yeah. So course. he's not even being monogamous. He's banging side pieces. It's because he's insecure about this this up-and-comer that he's fucking groomed who's going to leave him. They and, and this is, by the way, all 1969. She gives birth to, at the time, Chastity Bono, but now Chaz Bono. I think that's the last time you're going to hear the word chastity. But uh, now Chaz, and we'll, get, we'll definitely be getting into that in the later episodes. But either way, she gives birth to Chaz, 1969. The two get married in America, I guess, because they only had that, like, fake Tijuana wedding. Cher said one woman or even five was not enough for him. So while she's given birth to his kid... Under his thumb, he creates this legal situation that she can't get out from under where he benefits completely, and he's still slamming away. I'm talking one after the other. They're coming and be like, which hole do you want, Sonny? And he's like, I want all oh, them holes. holes. Yo, I'm going to nickname you Bowling Ball. And she's just like, please nickname me Bowling Ball. Ugh. Should I call you Master? And he's like, yeah, I'm 100% a cannibal. I'm sorry. I was talking about Army Hammer. Oh, my God. Also, oh, I no. always had to get the kids Bowling Balls because I don't have a lot of upper body strength. But now talk about... <laughs> about another mistake <laughs> that Cher would go on to make and yes that was making the movie Chastity I have a theory about Chastity I think Chastity was their attempt at making an easy rider a hundred thousand percent yeah it was, it's like a road movie it was like a, a road hippie movie. road movie Cher on the road and it was it was supposed to be this was supposed to be the vehicle for Cher the actress and it was directed by Alessio Di Paola, who apparently dropped out of the movie industry afterwards. Written by Sonny. Self-written and self-produced. Produced. And so they put all of the money into this flop and a half that it was 98 minutes of Cher's character hitchhiking to Mexico and finding ways to kill time that is literally what the movie is about and i watch it because again i love me some share i will watch it 
but it there's not a whole lot happening. At the very least, every critics seem to understand that Sonny is a hack when it comes to making movies and that Cher did show some promise as an actor. Yeah. That, that did emerge in this film. They were like, you know what? She has potential, but clearly, like, as, if she can just get out from under this awful writing. Like they 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 called it out like exactly what it was. So and I mean, also it, this it, was around the time even in this review from the from 1969 said that the movie further blurred Cher's status, which lay somewhere between Muse and Meal Ticket, and <laughs> even then. Before the Sonny and Cher comedy hour, yeah. which is why I think she had to reinvent to make it seem like, no, she did have more control in the relationship, which is why I feel that they brought that dynamic to the Sonny and Cher comedy show so that it looked like she had more control than she actually did. Well, but but it actually, from what I've read, it came organically because now they are bitter underdogs and now they're forced to go around as this nightclub act. And like it's the classic. What we year? Are, what year is this around? This is what seventy. Nineteen seventy. Yeah. So she's she's like a full grown adult woman. Yes. Now point. she's a full grown adult woman. She okay. has full breasts and a vagina and all of it. And a belly button that is a star. And a belly button. That, that belly button's will not a star. Stop. Yeah. And and so they go around, but I think that's how what what made it conducive for their dynamic that was so popular at the time is I don't think you had a lot of this. Yeah, because at this point in time, she's like 25, 26. I had to do the she's math. 25. Yes, I had to be quiet and do the math. She was about 25, 26. I appreciate it. And she's frustrated. And so is Sunny. And they're going around these shitty nightclubs and they're dealing with these drunks and dealing with these hecklers. Because the again, hecklers- they lost so much money after doing this movie that they put all the money into. Because, the, and again, this is not the first nor the last time that Cher will have no money that's another thing to think about that you think yeah. of Cher and you're like but she's been a celebrity forever but people but she wasn't the diva then and how many times she went back to the bottom and, and so it's right like before Joan the Rivers. Sunday Cher comedy hour she they had nothing so that's why they had to do the nightclub acts so 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 they're out there with the drunks and the hecklers Cher then starts saying fuck this starts talking back to the hecklers then Sonny's like Cher baby hold on a second he tries to hold her back like he does so then she's like oh then fuck you too starts shitting on Cher people love it it becomes this huge hit it catches the eye of uh of uh CBS's head of programming um who uh, offers them the show, the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour, pr- premiering in the summer of 1971. Actually, before that, too, it catches the eye of uh, some other people who it, it leads them to getting primetime guest appearances on different random shows. And then also, again, Cher's very eye-catching, low-cut, sexy clothing. Oh, because of Bob Mackie. And it was Bob mm-hmm. Mackie making all the costumes, which makes so much sense. Yeah. She's like a smoke show. But at the same time, she's talking mad shit to her own husband. I don't think people really saw that much before on TV. Probably not. And I think no. people loved seeing that dynamic. I even wrote down some examples as I was watching clips from the Sonny and Cher show. So examples of what their interchange would be. Sonny. Cher, come on, stop it. My friends are out there watching the show. Hi, Dopey. Hi, Doc. <laughs> What's with you tonight? Just take it easy, will you please? What, if you were sitting out there and watching us, you know, right now, be honest. What would you say? Cher would say, I'd say the same thing everybody else says. 
what does she see in that man? <laughs> so it's that kind of, so it's like almost like Muppet style back yeah. and forth. But also like uh, a lot of truth is coming out of her mouth the whole yes, time. Yes, for sure, because she's been so frustrated being under his fucking grip. I mean, it's, that's why I say it came so organically between Sonny being this annoying uh, overseer of her whole life and uh, uh, this shitty audience that they've had to tour around with. But really it just a leads fucking, to this great dynamic. Really a businessman where he went, I can see that you hate me. How can we make money from this? <laughs> I mean, kind of. Yeah. Or you, that's what they, I mean, another interchange. Sonny, before we go on, I just want to remind you of what day this is. It's a very unlucky day. Cher, you mean Tuesday the 4th? Sonny, no, it's Friday the 13th. What's Tuesday the 4th? Share the day we got married. Oh. <laughs> but I, I think that you are right, though, and I would assume that this is the first time that I feel like, you know, we had the Archie Bunkers. We had, like, we had the other instances of married life like this, but not with a woman saying these things to the it man. flipped it. To the moon. And I think that was fun, especially when she's taller than him. I mean, the whole thing just was... So cartoonish and Natalie, that sense is that why you're just so mean to my brother? Oh, no. Because you're so wow. tall and beautiful. No. Wow. <laughs> no, she's very nice. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Nice. And just like, and just like uh, Henry and Natalie end each night by singing this. They ended every episode singing "I Got You, Babe." And yeah, I mean, do you guys do that every night? Yeah, but I do every it. Night? I do it the Beavis and Butthead version. <laughs> Hell yeah! And sometimes uh, Chastity would come out, and, and it just gave them this look of this like ideal family at the same time. Uh, amongst all the shit talk, everything. I will say also, we we uh, there were regular cast members and sketches such as Terry Gar, who we talked about in our Young Frankenstein episode, and Steve Martin, who was also a writer on oh, the show. Sweet. So they had really good comedy backings in terms of the writers' room, in terms of their you know their special guests and stuff. And I love these old timey variety shows with music and sketches and everything. You know, hee haw. We got to do an episode on hee haw. But either way. Uh, another strain on the relationship during this time was that Sonny failed to get Cher a hit. So her label at the time, Cap Records, pulled in a dude named Snuff Garrett. Which great, is a great name. name. And old Snuff produced her second number one hit, Gypsies, Gypsies Tramps, and, Tramps thieves. and Thieves. It's a very difficult song to do as karaoke. I'll throw <laughs> that out there. <laughs> she also put an all-ballad album together with Snuff called Foxy Lady, who then quit as her producer because... He's having issues with fucking Sonny about yes, what Cher should be recording. Which so this is, guy comes in, 
totally gets Cher, totally gets where she should go, takes her there, and then Sonny's like, ah, no, I, I know the way. I mean, I know I gave you a bunch of failures recently, but uh, ha, I know what's best. So, uh, yeah, he then, then Sonny has her release an album of standards. Again, like the old man direction. It totally fails. Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves was like totally the yes. great direction for her to go in, but now Sonny takes back over. But still, with the song written specifically for Cher, Snuff went back to her to release an album and third number one single for her called Half Breed, about the daughter of a Cherokee mother and a white uh, father. And that, so again, Snuff is clearly giving her what she needs in her career. Sonny is weirdly just doing everything to stop it, even though all he has to do is sit back and count the money. I know. It's I don't just, even understand. Why can't you it's just, just take all a the control L, man? Thing. It is, it is, for sure. It's a control. It, uh, even at this point, um, Cher was talking about at one point why the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour was disbanded. And she says, if you watched the Sonny and Cher Comedy Hour, you assumed I was this wisecracking girl who ran our lives off stage because Sonny seemed so meek and easygoing. Ha! In real life, he was a Sicilian dictator husband. I could say nothing. We were in the top ten. We had all this money. Everybody told me how lucky and happy I was. When actually, I weighed 93 pounds, was constantly sick, could not eat, could not sleep. I got suicidal. And I thought, either I'm going to leave Sunny or I'm going to jump out a window. Cool. So at some point, Cher tells Sonny, <laughs> then she jumped out a window. No, at some she point, did it. At some point, Cher tells Sonny she is seeing the guitarist uh, of from the show, and eventually the the band of the Sonny and Cher Hour. And um, uh, eventually, they stay publicly married, but they have new partners secretly, and even have these people joining them was, at their mansion. Yes. So this is yeah, it's the whole thing's in shambles. They're just holding it together for the show. The tabloids were all filled with how they hated each other about the shouting matches, that they would cancel gigs last minute, and they would, uh, reports of Cher also sporting a black eye at this point in time. Oh, she no. was also asked, and Cher was asked, at one point, wasn't he living with another woman in the same house with you while you were still married? Cher said, yeah, but we were fine with that. We had a strange relationship. I don't expect anybody to understand it because it was our relationship and it worked for us. I can't explain it because it was weird. It was just weird. But I know what it was. And it was what it was. I'm sure she was happy that he just wasn't gripping on to her. I mean, that at that point, like, but then he's horrible to her. She's not, you know, like, not really allowed to be banging other people. But he has another woman living oh, in the he house. he wouldn't even let her have lovers or anything. Oh, fuck him. He, I think he allowed it uh, as long as it wasn't around him or he didn't, like, he was the one that was openly, again, oh, another woman shit. living in the house. Come on, you fuck. Well, and it's around this time that Cher actually finds out about this whole not having any control over her business situation. It really took till now, as the marriage is in shambles, that she actually owns nothing, that she's not only owns nothing, but is prohibited from yes. working on her own because of the contract. Because contracts. of the contract she's signed, and so so this leads to a huge court battle. And weirdly enough, a new player enters the arena as they as she's battling over custody over Chaz as well as uh, control ownership over her stuff. She and wasn't even asking for ownership. She straight up was asking. She said, she said, I went to him and out. said, look, break the contract. Let us 
Draw up a new contract. Make it 50-50. You can't tell me what to do anymore. I'm 27 years old. You can just not tell me what to do, and he wouldn't do it, and he just didn't count on how tough I could be because I never argued with him one time. I don't think we had more than three arguments in 11 years. She was asking just to be an equal partner, not even to own share enterprises. And so, uh, oddly enough, David Geffen oh, enters man. the fray. This, the stories of Cher and David Geffen, I'm not going to get into too many of them, but please look into their love affair because What's the deal? it's sick as shit. Wait, what kind of sick? <laughs> sick good or sick bad? Yeah, what are we talking oh, about? Give fun. us something. No, 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 in a fun oh, okay. way. <laughs> Give us something. Well, oh no, we'll get into it, but let's finish out this divorce. Sure, sure. <laughs> let's get done with the divorce. <laughs> let's get first. done then with the divorce because she's already moving sessions on. Sessions that happened afterwards. Um, so yeah, David Geffen comes in. He's the record exec. We've talked about him before. I don't know. I forget what to what capacity we've. T- I've talked about David Geffen a lot in episodes between here and Wizard and the Bruiser. Oddly enough, but either way, um, they start an affair. But also, he's just helping her get out of her business re- arrangement with Sonny. Cher said, if he had agreed to just disband Cher Enterprises and start all over again, I would have never, ever left. Geffen instead gets her a $2.5 million deal with Warner Brothers Records. Because at this time, David Geffen is the, he he co-created Asylum Records, which is huge. And then he ends up creating Geffen Records. And then he ends up like working and creating a whole side business with DreamWorks. Like this is a huge businessman that came in and helped her out because when Cher filed for divorce in 1974, she, because David Geffen gave her the confidence to, she cited involuntary servitude as the mm. reason for their split because the divorce was so ugly that she had to do it because no one would listen to her. And she Thanks. really was, she was working for nothing. She had nothing. Yeah. Cher totally. said, David, David's one of the smartest men I've ever known. I lived with him for two years and just on a daily basis, we had a wonderful time. I loved him. I didn't know anything. I went from one kind of take charge man to another. David helped me so much. I had no money and no way to live. If it wasn't for David, I don't know where I would have been. I would have been in the street. And during this time, too, she's bummed. She feels like she's in this shitty holding pattern because the it takes a while for her to get out from under this stuff. And so she turns to modeling as her only source of income. And she's watching everybody else sing and act and do all these things she wants to do. And she's like a fucking bird in a cage because technically she can't do any of that yet because she's still under her contract or under Sonny's thumb. For sure. And and it really is a cage, but a lot of times like it's a mind cage more than anything else, which is really what's so fucked up about these kind of controlling relationships where she actually held so much of the power, but you don't understand that when it's a person who's like much older than you most of the time, who's, who's wiser in the game. They can make you feel as though they hold all the cards when really you do. Yeah, this is a quote I heard from Mitzi Shore. I always try to remember somebody retelling this quote from Mitzi Shore who founded the Comedy Store. You don't need them. They need you. Exactly. And every person who's like the talent, who's not a manager, an agent, or an executive or whatever, needs to always keep that in mind even at your lowest point career-wise. Totally. You don't need them. They need you. Period. And so never, never end up under someone's thumb like this. Yes. And David Geffen comes in and they ended up meeting at the. And at does the, he come in? Uh, yeah. Literally? Well, oh, also, boy. he's notoriously <laughs> he, in Hollywood. Um, uh, he was a homosexual. So that's ah. when people were so actually 
confused because, you know, it's a different time period of how he could be in a relationship with Cher. And they had met at the opening of the Roxy because David Geffen is one of the owners of the Roxy. And so she starts talking with them. Please look up the operator. David Geffen builds, buys, and sells the new Hollywood by Tom King. I read some the the share chapters about it. And he essentially, she makes friends with him, doesn't really realize who he is. Then eventually they create more of a friendship. Ends up, he lived like three houses away from where she and Sonny lived. And so he go, she goes back to his house and she's like, how do you even afford? Forward this and as she's sitting there um when they, this is I, I, it's it's according to this book the first night they meet as she's sitting there Joni Mitchell comes out uh mm. from one of the bedrooms and they end up sitting <laughs> and like they were both at the top of their game at this point in time but in opposite fields of music and so they just had like the three of them had this like insane beautiful like revelation conversation between the three of them just talking about like what she wanted how she felt about herself even just reading it like I'm getting tingles just thinking about it that he brought her into this life of trying to help her learn who she is that Mm. straight up after the divorce went through, when she was still living with Sonny and his, like and other women, he went in and he, like I believe that he had gotten her either the house or half of the house and moved out all of Sonny's and all of his women's things from the house. He uh, went with yes. a bunch of people because she had no money, paid for people to come in, round up everything and kick him the fuck out. And of course, that is another way of someone controlling you and doing things. But in this instance, Cher needed it. She wasn't ready to quite stand on her own, but I think that Geffen really gave her a chance to start figuring herself out. Yeah. So funny side note, I mentioned we have talked about David Geffen before in previous episodes. I'm actually thinking of uh, that he co-founded DreamWorks. So I've actually talked about him in the Shrek episode and the Kung Fu Panda episode. Insane. That's why. The Bruiser, which is so funny because it's like just couldn't be more. Uh, the Geffen trifecta, of course. <laughs> and at this point in time, too, is when son, it was when Cher really got into modeling. She said, I did modeling because that was the only thing I could do to keep myself going. My friends were Jack Nicholson, Warren Beatty, Angelica Houston, Goldie Hawn, all these women and men who were working at their prime. And I couldn't get a job. I couldn't do anything. And this is in this in-between time period as everything is shifting over. And what ends up happening... They work together again. They, Sonny and Cher keep working together because she's still, but I think that this time she has more control over the situation. And and they both understand how much they need each other, sort of. I think she doesn't necessarily need him as much, but uh, Sonny as much, but either way. Because Sonny goes off and creates his own show and then Cher goes off and creates her own show. Yes. Before that, she decides she wants to break into rock and roll under her new label. She releases the album Stars, which fails commercially and critically, though it later becomes a cult classic. And honestly, I think that's because she should have made stars four years, years ago when she wanted yes. to make stars. So yes. It would have been a big hit then, yes. but it was disco's now probably all the rage at this point uh, in terms of the zeitgeist. So that was really just Sonny holding her back. That is why I think that album probably failed. Sonny tries his hand at a solo format with the Sonny Comedy Review, and this was canceled after 13 weeks. Cher then puts out a solo show as well, simply titled Cher. It's called the Sh- it's called Cher, 
She even talked about it. So it ended up getting, she debuted it six weeks after Sonny's show was canceled. (laughs) She said, I'm scared to death. I'm so afraid of that first walkout. Here I am alone, naked to the world. What do you think, world? Do you forgive me? But the series was produced by Laugh-In creator George Schlattler, and Hmm. he's also at helm Judy Garland's variety show. And strangely enough, not strangely enough, it did really well. But she didn't want, she didn't want it all on her back. She wanted to share the spotlight. Or at she least wanted to seems. share it. Pun <laughs> intended. <laughs> <laughs> also, this is when steamy, steamy heroin addict Greg Almond enters the picture. Yeah, oh my God. baby. <laughs> Don't even look again. Look up the pictures. I did not know this about this relationship. Oh, by the way. wow. They had a whew, look up the uh, photo shoots of Greg Allman and Cher's relationship. It was short and fiery as fuck. They got married four days after her divorce from Sonny. She then ends up filing for divorce nine days later because, you know, I mean, he loves heroin and liquor (laughs) just a bit. So and she's, I guess, discovering that on the fly. Um, Either way, they Uh reconciled. They they do reconcile from that divorce filing and then eventually get divorced for real in 1979. Also, my favorite is that the first time they get divorced, she divorced him. Then they get married again. Oh, similar to someone else. They get married again and Mm -hmm. then divorced again when he asks for divorce, which I think it's just kind of, you know what? They're they're sharing it. Share, there you go. Uh, Together they have a son named Elijah, by the way. And uh, and then, oddly enough, Sonny and Cher reunite for the Sonny and Cher show. I think they just, they were just like, I want to be successful. This is how it can be successful. But the problem is, their new aesthetic is weird because now they're divorced, so it's not as cute anymore. They're getting on stage and kind of just being a divorced couple shitting on each other. And that, that aesthetic is just not going to, especially for audiences back then, it yeah. would maybe hold water today. But, uh, you know, and then also there's just this very publicized Rocky relationship with Greg Allman that is giving Cher a bad rap to the public. That is happening at the same time. Yes, the audience turns on her. The show gets canceled in 1977. Also, it was a different time period as well. So the network complained about Cher's clothing and she could have gotten away with a lot more on the original, especially because it was going so well that... They changed her image and they said, well, it wasn't appropriate for a recent divorcee to be wearing those clothes. And she said, suddenly I start coming off like Julie Andrews. (laughs) And she's like, hell, Sonny didn't die. I'm not in mourning because they made her cover up her tits and wear longer. What? That's that is the time you should be showing off your tits looking for your partner. Yeah. Yeah, Because there's also at this time period as well when she made to the hard way, which I enjoy the album to the hard way. She makes it with Greg Allman. And under the name? Allman and Woman. Her, she's not even Cher in the album. Her name is Woman. Woman. Okay. And they toured together. and But their very disparate fan bases did not mesh. The album was ripped apart. It was ignored by their fans. And she says... Dead weight starts out as dead weight and ends up just the same. I don't know why I waited to divorce him for so long. 
again. Uh, is is that supposed to be a play on words? Because of I think almond and woman is like almond and woman. Yeah, it's kind uh. of rhymes ish sort of. Either woman, way, woman, woman, woman. the release coincides with their divorce in 1979. She then has a live-in relationship with notorious dirtbag Gene Simmons. I really don't like Ew, that guy. I read no, through their relationship. She says Cher admitted their union between the reunion between Gene Simmons and Cher wasn't monogamous, but she does say it was the best relationship she ever had. Oh my, which oh, makes really it, she that's sad. That while she may have seen <laughs> other feel bad for Cher. She yeah. said that while she may have seen other men for companionship, Jean is the only one I've ever been crazy about. All my relationships Ugh. are serious. I don't Why? screw around. And how did they break up even though Jean Simmons said, I'm crazy about Cher, nuts about her. She was my first love. Cher's an untamed soul who has never done anything bad to anybody. How did they break up? Well, at the time... Cher and Diana Ross were very good friends. And who did Gene Simmons leave her for? Diana Ross. While they went shopping to get Cher a Christmas present. <laughs> because Gene asked her what she wanted for Christmas. She's like, I don't know. Ask Diana. Diana knows me the best. They went out shopping and they never looked back. Oh, my I, man, God. Man, Kiss has got some great, great, great songs. But Gene Simmons yeah, is. Yeah, I ain't hating on Kiss. Uh, like the Strutter, uh, Love Gun, they're all. I yeah, mean, we I danced to a, a Kiss song at our wedding. <laughs> it's one of yeah. our wedding songs. But uh, Gene Simmons is gross as fuck. I hate him yeah, so much. Yeah, he's such a yuck. I can't. He's yuck. Just the way he talks. He's just so into the way he talks to people. It's, it makes me so annoyed. Either way, um, uh, she also at this time legally changes her name from Sherilyn Sarkisian Lapierre Bono Allman to simply Cher. It's, you Drops know, a few names there. Less uh, of a mouthful. <laughs> and, this is when, and this is when she returns to primetime TV with a special called Share dot 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 special, which featured, yes, a 15 minute version of West Side Story in which she plays all the roles. Definitely look it up. It's definitely you fantastic. You can watch it on YouTube. Again, Share dot 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 special. Uh, it's great. Shares. I love. I love that she's just doing. I used to do a lot of shows as, as a kid for my family, where they would be forced to watch me put on ballets and plays and stuff. This sounds like she's just getting to do that on TV. Yeah. She's just like, look at me! I can do all the things. Yeah, and she can. So now she is a single mother with two children, and she needs to make some serious moves just for survival and also to really put herself back out on the map as like a current hot commodity because right now she's back into the dated uh, zone i couldn't imagine trying to stay relevant like this i can't i see like madonna i mean madonna has 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 nailed it at times and then embarrassed herself at times trying to do it like i couldn't fathom constantly be trying to be like the face of what is hip and new and modern. No, it is really she incredible. Even, that's why I appreciate that Cher hates the phrase comeback. I, the, this quote, I've been the same person since I was six years old, so I don't get the whole reinvention thing. I mean, you do something that's not successful and you're bored and you do something that's successful and you're totally. reinventing yourself. I do stuff with hair and costumes and things like that because what am I going to do? Come in a pair of overalls and a white t-shirt? I mean, that would be boring. So the next episode, we're going to cover another comeback musically, another fall musically, then another comeback 
but as a giant hit actress all yes. through the 80s, a redefinement of her entire career. It is absolutely astounding. I love this story. She is a phenomenal, phenomenal artist, and it is. So, I'm so glad we're doing this, y'all, because I was... I didn't know any of this. I can't wait to have an excuse to watch a bunch of 80 share movies. Yeah, I'm so into it. Actually, we're going to watch. What you were saying about the documentary, Nat, makes so much sense. And I'd like to go back and watch it because it makes sense of how she portrayed. And we will talk about it next time. Mermaids. It, Mermaids. it explains how she gets into that mindset because also not only of her mother, but also herself that, you know, as she's reinventing herself, as she's doing all these things, she's got two little kids. Yeah. yeah. And her character, she based the style on a lot from directly her mother's outfits. Yeah. Makes so much sense. I love it. I'm going to watch that too. Hopefully it'll give me a little more insight even as we continue in our next episodes. That sounds like a really interesting documentary. And yes, we have so many fun fucking 80s movies. Honestly, it's great timing because it wasn't too long ago that I was like, I've never seen Moonstruck. It was literally like a month or so ago. And I was going through this like 80s movies phase Dude. and, and in quarantine, so where I was like, I just good. want to watch eighties movies that aren't stressful, and yeah, and, uh, yeah Moon, Moonstruck, right on the money, man, just phenomenal film, and so absolutely good. deserving of all of its praise. It's oh, and at love. some point, we're gonna get into Cher's Twitter, which, yes. oh, saying it like it is, love. and believing in life after love, and and all that good stuff. I mean, all of her activism. We haven't talked about any oh of my her God, efforts. So much in that activism. Sense, in that sense. It's great. I, I love it. I'm so glad we're doing this. I think we're probably going to get three out of this. So stay tuned. We hope you enjoyed part one. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to check us out further, check us out on patreon.com forward slash page seven podcast. Everything on there. It's so good. There's there's goof em ups. There's Twilight. There's weekly talking TV episodes where we talk about TV. Check me out on <laughs> twitch.tv forward slash holdenators ho. Japanese every Friday night. We hang out, we party, we get drunk. Oh my God, it's so much fun. Twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators. Ho, ho, ho. Only one ho. I, uh, you follow me at the Natty Jean and follow us at page 7LPN. And my name is Jackie Sherbrowski. That's Whoa. not true. It's Zabrowski. You can follow me on Instagram at Jack That Worm. I love Share. Bye. Take your pretty hand in my hand. I'm a mountain. I'm a mountain. i for more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.